Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, time. Welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast. Day three draft recap show. Uh, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five star wherever you get your podcast. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bo Brock. And Bo, we're still kind of on the clock with the Redbirds as they're set to make their final pick of the 2023 NFL draft. And it's been a fun one, especially here on day three. Yeah, barring any trade back into the seventh round, which I doubt at this point the team is motivated to do so. Uh, Monty Austin Ford about to put the finishing touches on his first draft class. And it's been an interesting three days. Obviously, you had all the excitement on day one, the trade back, the haul they get from Houston, setting themselves up for success in 2024. Then you have a, you trade back up in the draft in the top 10. Sixth overall, you take Paris Johnson Jr., first of three major premium position players taken this draft. Trade back day two, right out of the gates. Pick 33, you trade down to 41. You get yourself an edge rusher. You get yourself a cornerback. And then you get a wide receiver at the tail end of the third round. And then you go into day three and you start to get some freaks, Johnny. It's just some absolute yeah. athletic freaks, some prospects, some athletes. We'll see how they uh, can translate their game from the college level to the NFL level. And they also, you also take a quarterback. But, yeah, Matt, Monty Osfort right now uh, just moments away from making uh, his final pick in this draft. Dallas is on the clock. And then the Arizona Cardinals will be on the clock one final time. Yeah, well, the Cardinals started the day by going offensive line, which I think a lot of us were rooting for, but with a prospect that maybe we weren't expecting them to take. And then you dive a little bit deeper into it, and it makes all the sense in the world, Bo. They started today after that trade down yesterday with Detroit by taking John Gaines the second, the stud interior offensive lineman guard slash center from UCLA, Gaines has had one of the better off-seasons of any interior lineman prospect. He earned an elite 96 athleticism score for his performance at the Combine because his 40, broad jump, vertical, and three-cone all ranked in the top 10% for interior offensive linemen since 2003 with the likes of Zion Johnson, Cam Jurgens, Tyler Lindenbaum, and Cole Strange. So the Cardinals go and roll the dice. I think maybe they try him out at center. Those, those last two guys see. you mentioned are first were first rounders last year. The last two guys, right? One was the uh, was Strange was the out of the blue pick by the Patriots, and then Lindenbaum was uh, what the Baltimore's Ravens kind of utilized round. the yeah. draft capital that they got from uh, from the Hollywood Brown pick. So um, it's. It's, you know, as far as the athleticism, you have to like it. I mean, would you need it that yeah. much at the guard position as far as pulling and all that? Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's, I, lo- I can't wait to get into the, this this class. Obviously, we'll wait for that last pick to come off the board, uh, get into the conversation about the quarterback. Uh, before we do that, you know, final thoughts maybe. Uh, had Had less than 24 hours, but a chance to sleep on it. The final pick of last night's draft, Michael Wilson, the wide receiver, 
I think you can talk yourself into this this prospect. Yeah, I mean, it's still the biggest head scratcher of the weekend for me, and I want to be proven wrong. And I, I again, a lot of people <laughs> emphasizing his injuries were not of the soft tissue variety; they were fluke, freak injuries, broken collarbone, broken bones. So again, that's all well and good. He he has some comps, albeit a poor man comps to Devonte Adams. Um, you know, I see projection as a as a wide receiver three or four. I think where you take take him, you're hoping he can become a wide receiver two. But he represents a lot of what they don't have in that size. And again, he dominated the off off season just like a lot of these other guys. Dominated the Senior Bowl. Is healthy and ready to go right now. Six two. A lot of speed for a man that size. His route running, he's a, he's a pure outside receiver, it looks like. So, hell, let's see what he looks like in camp. It, it is a premium pick, Bill. A third-round pick, a top 100 pick for a guy who hasn't been able to stay yeah. healthy. I want to be proven wrong, and I and I want to be proven wrong by people who know what they're doing, and it looks like Austin Ford and company know what they're doing, Bill Brock. Yeah, no doubt about it, and, and we'll break it all down as far as this class goes. Cardinals are on the clock one last time here. The Cowboys just selected Kansas State. Running back Deuce Vaughn. Oh, man. A lot of of people were hoping the Cardinals were going to take Deuce Vaughn. Have not gone for a running back today, but I was hoping for maybe the kid from Pittsburgh, maybe a Chase Brown. Um, The backs, I think, were one of the better classes in this entire draft, position groups. And so the Cardinals don't have a compliment to James Conner right now. Of No, maybe it's Keontae Ingram. I floated out Kareem Hunt, maybe. But, I, I mean, I would not hate a running back here, but you, you have to question what's left remaining. Take Bigsby goes off the board. A um, lot of teams dabbling. Some teams dabbled multiple times for running backs because they felt like this class could support it, Bo. Yeah, and, and teams got some playmakers, absolutely. Uh, at the running back position, I think that you could say that the Arizona Cardinals, as far as they don't go back here if they don't go true you know center and that was a position that was as far as that group's concerned it's pretty it's picked pretty clean uh yeah. including a, a prospect that shall not be named because uh, we said his name at nauseum yesterday but the arizona cardinals did not take a true center sure you look at uh, the, the kid that they took out of ucla has the versatility can play all three spots but uh the arizona cardinals waiting to take one final pick but could it be somebody that they could they could immediately deploy at the running back position because of its how thin it is, how scarce things are. They take, did take, you know, at the end of the day, two corners in this draft. They added from Jonathan Gannon's alma mater, Louisville uh, Clark, who who physically, athletically, everything you want as far as the uh, competitiveness. You, you got that from from the kid they took in Clark today at a, at a Louisville. So uh, just waiting for this one last pick, and then we'll just pretty much recap this entire class johnny uh yeah deuce vaughn is five five so i'm officially taller than a nfl player that was drafted which is nice to see it all be at at five six and a half uh almost five seven uh again you tell us who you want to see them pick with their final pick that defensive end out of texas is still available somebody said andre carter in the chat um, you know, we're going to talk about Luke Whipler, pour one out for the for the opportunity to, to add the center from Ohio State. And Tony Pauline kind of went on the record, if you if you didn't see that, Bo, and said Luke Whipler finally comes off the board. What a tremendous steal for the Browns. Why yeah. did he fall short arms, undersized teams view him solely as a center versus a guard center combo? He still okay. thinks he's a terrific prospect. So Cardinals, their affinity for Luke Whipler, I would say grossly overstated, Bo. Sure. Yeah. It, it was maybe somebody in the scouting department that had mm-hmm. a conversation with Pauline and 
wasn't the the main decision maker for for the Cardinals, but loved him as a prospect, and yeah. that wasn't shared, and it wasn't a consensus pick uh, by the Cardinals front office, especially the guys you know making the the decisions as far as Monty Osfort, Dave Sears. So no uh, no Whipler, no center, and look, it, it's all it's not all going to be rebuilt in one draft. There's mm-hmm. going to be omissions, right? There's going to be positions uh, where you're not going to find prospects that are going to. Uh, we, we, Looks like we got the final pick here. So they go beef on the defensive line. Out of nice. the uh, out of the SEC, they take the defensive tackle out of West Virginia, uh, Dante Stills. Uh, Big Twelve, I'm sorry, Big Twelve defensive tackle, Dante Stills is the final piece of the Arizona Cardinals draft class. Yeah, he's six uh, three and a half, uh, slightly undersized at about two ninety. So you wonder, is he going to play? Three technique, is he going to play defensive end? Um, a lot of people thought he would be, you know, a rotational player. Lance Zerline said he was projected to go in the fifth round and mentioned that he lacks the girth of a 4-3-3 uh, three technique and the get-off as a 4-3 end. So I would imagine just an interchangeable front seven piece if he makes the team. Uh, but again, that was a position group that I know was not the strength of this draft. And we did not feel like, you know, it was in their best interest to force a pick there especially when you consider the bounty of picks that they have for next year. And goodness, we're going to talk about that. All right. So Cardinals, you would assume their 2023 draft is in the books. They've made their final pick bow. Where do you want to start here on day three? I already brought up Jonathan Gaines and why I feel like the more you read about it, the more it makes sense. They submitted that pick, by the way, right away. They were on the clock. They didn't have to rethink it. They didn't have to trade back down. Jonathan Gaines is unequivocally their 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 sure thing to, to put the ticket in today. And I look at his track record. And this is a guy who's played a lot of games, a lot of games at UCLA, paved the way for a second round running back, somebody that has elite athleticism. I don't think it's out of the question. Jonathan Gaines sees snaps in the starting lineup this year, especially when you look at the uncertainty of both tackles. You want to kick Paris Johnson outside. Will Hernandez was banged up last year. What do you think about Jonathan Gaines atop the fourth round for the Arizona Cardinals? I think he kind of fits the just the profile of the offensive lineman that they've added to this organization throughout free agency. I mean, it's it's yeah. not somebody that's going to wow you. It's not somebody that you can definitively say, "Hey, just put him in the lineup, and you don't have to worry about whatever position uh, he, he's he's starting at or playing at or get seeing snaps at." But he, he's kind of like a a, a Yelda Froholt. He's like a Dennis Daly. He's like an uh, an Elijah Wilkinson. He's a he's versatile, right? And he's a guy that uh, they feel like is athletic enough to compete. Is he going to be able to put it together? Is he going to be able to to take his game from the college ranks to the pro ranks and have it translate? And and that's the biggest question. But I think you know all these guys are versatile. All these guys are going to be able to know what their role is next season. And if if his if his name is called, if you landed a guy in the fourth round. Uh, that that can that can fill in and, and play a role for this team that's going to be in a real rebuild and good and, and and does he become somebody that that you at this point next year is like hey I think we can move forward with him uh, that's a win at this point in the draft yeah and I, again would have been my preference maybe they use an earlier pick on an interior offensive line because I think that the day two guys were a real big strength but I, I don't think that's a throwaway pick by any means I think this is somebody that they're anxious to see I think it's I don't want to say plug and play, but you spend, and that's the theme of a lot of these picks, Bo, when we talk about the quarterback, the linebacker, these guys played a lot of college football. These are not projects. These are guys that they think can come in 
and yeah. at least contribute in camp. They can be scout team and then eventually work their way, hopefully, into the starting lineup. So they kick off the day with John Gaines. And then I don't know if it was a shocker, but I mean, they went the quarterback route in the fifth mm-hmm. round. They took a kid out of Houston who had really some gaudy statistics, that being Clayton Toon. One pick before our precious, my precious DTR, which I know you were not particularly <laughs> high on. Uh, it would have been fun to reunite Jonathan Gaines with DTR, but Clayton Toon joins the quarterback room for the Arizona Cardinals. Hopefully kicks somebody to the curb because the the middling group that they had before this pick wasn't great. And uh, 40 touchdowns. He's been there for five years. He's got some mobility. Somebody texted me that I trust, said he's got a little bit of Gardner Minshew in his game. Um, hmm. I, again, you, you got to be able to see him in camp. You got to see him in, in the preseason. What did you make of the quarterback? And would you have preferred they look at a different quarterback if they were going to take one? Uh, you'd seen Stetson Bennett already go off the board there at that point in the draft. The Rams selected him, right? So you're, you're starting to it, – it comes down to what the, that organization feels about that quarterback, how he fits with their scheme. And when you look at maybe – say you're going to pit Toon versus DTR just because they went back-to-back in this draft in the fifth round – and there's some sort of tie there. I'm not saying it's like Bird Johnson, but it's uh, <laughs> it's not Magic yeah. and Bird, but it's yeah, it's these guys. I mean, you had to make that decision, and and for whatever reason, Monty Austinfort looked at the tape from Houston, and there's plenty of it from for Clayton Tune, right? Over a hundred yeah. total touch or career touchdown passes for the Cougars, 104. He showed, as you said, some mobility. He was able to get out and run in his senior season for over 500 yards. So he's not a statue back there. He does mm-hmm. some things that would translate to the Drew Petzing offense. And yeah, I mean, it's it, when, when you're staring down Kyler Murray and, and paying him a, a lot of money and a good per- chunk of the percentage of the salary cap going forward, you're going to have to draft and develop a cheap quarterback solution behind him. And why not start in the fifth round of your first year? I'm not saying like they envision Clayton Tune as being the guy going forward, right? I don't even think, yeah. you know, he's got an opportunity to truly be the bridge between when Kyler Murray comes back from his, from his knee injury. I, I think that he's a guy that's going to come in, compete, be a camp arm for sure, and hopefully try to turn some heads in the preseason. Uh, but decent, decent prospect, uh, has, has the ability to make most of the throws. You turn on the highlight tape, and that's mostly what's out there. Uh, and and he, he he's dropping him in the bucket, and he's confident. I mean, he told Howard Balzer today, this was a quote from Clayton Toon saying, quote, I'm the best quarterback in this class said, I look at my body of work. I elevate everyone around me. Calls himself a natural leader and a no-flinch mentality. Texas kid, just like Colt McCoy, just like Kyler Murray, both the quarterbacks on the board there. I I believe David Blau is from Texas as well. So, just all from the state of Texas, all in your quarterback room. I don't know about Jeff Driscoll, but, you know, it's fine. I I wasn't shocked by it. I, I, I felt like... You and I were talking about it throughout the pre-draft process. Anytime we do a mock draft, and usually it was DTR because we'd heard that they'd talked to him in this yeah. pre-draft process. And he had similar skill set to Kyle. Right, right. And then, you know, Bennett was a higher-profile guy. Like, he, he was playing in the college football playoff semifinals and championship the last couple of years at Georgia, so you knew more about him, and you knew that he was a clear-cut winner, so maybe bet on that. But they're just betting on what they saw on tape and, and how he could potentially fit in the scheme. Uh, I want to get to the super chat here from our guy. Uh, it looks like Marmol Parara, uh, $5. Guys, if you could grade the whole Arizona draft, what would your grade be? It's a great question, Marmol. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. I would probably say 
it's either an A minus or a B plus. I would yeah. I would probably say a, a B plus with the picks next year making it an A minus A minus for me. I think Paris Johnson was one of my favorite players in the draft, uh, and to get him on top of a future one next year, uh, I'll go A minus. And then I hope to be surprised by a lot of these players late yesterday, bowing into today because I just don't know a ton about them. Right. No, and I think that's what you get when you start to get in the later stages of day two and day three. I mean, obviously, you become a little bit more familiar as, as you're doing exercises like the mock draft, and maybe somebody stands out to you in Mobile, or if you're watching the Shrine game, uh, yeah. or you know, if if they're profiled on on some of the big networks. So you are at a disadvantage, or if, if if you're as long as if you're not paying attention to the college football season. Uh, is some people don't do they, they they are more geared up towards the NFL so you don't see these these players as much as you'd like and you don't know as much you know it can truly translate here but I think that what Monty Ossifort was able to do where he started out the draft with the premium positions that was key especially with how you know this roster is one of the worst in the league right so to just start to add talent to premium positions that's a good start and then you've also got the ability, you know, from what he was doing, not necessarily day two, he kind of did it at the end of it with Wilson, just taking freak athletes, guys that, you know, they feel like with the correct coaching and, and they believe yeah. highly in their coaching staff to put these guys in a position to succeed, uh, that they're going to get the best out of these guys and they, they'll translate at the pros. So then you got Wilson and then you've got the, the player coming out of UCLA. You've got the corners. It, it's all, um, I mean, Gaines, Popo, Clark, Stills. I mean, those are all guys that they're betting on their athleticism. And I, I at this point in the draft, I think that that's a good thing to bet on. Yeah. Pick and spreads. Thank you so much. Friend of the program, $10 super chat. If I'm giving out grades, this is what I think. Paris, B, Ojolari, A+, Williams, A-, Wilson, A+, Gaines, B+, Toon, B, Owen, a plus control B stills a minus overall Monty's draft was better than all of kinds laugh out loud. Well, it's a low, very low bar, but I, I agree. I, I think that they, <laughs> they are in a position where like they had enough picks this year and they have enough picks next year. Some of these guys are going to hit now. Some of them aren't. And that's just the, the lay of the land when it comes to the NFL draft. But you also can see like the DNA of Gannon within these picks for Monty of exactly what you want to do. Like B Joe Jalari is going to be the Hassan Reddick of this defense mm-hmm. in a perfect world. Then this this linebacker from Auburn, you see him, they get him in the what what was it, the 5th or 6th round and he's got legitimate 44446 speed. He's been playing meaningful football at Auburn for 4 years since he was 18 years old. Can you imagine being 18 and stepping out and being an SEC ass kicker from day 1 and he's eight sacks, 15 sacks for loss in his career. Every down player, just mm-hmm. lunch pail guy, undersized, but like the perfect clone of like a, a TJ Edwards or a Kazir White. Like this is what they want. This is a guy yeah. who I anticipate is at least going to get snaps on defense this year. He's got the speed. You read about him and what's his knock? It's like, well, he doesn't have a ton of power, right? He can't push people around. That's not what they want from their linebackers. They want their linebackers right. flying around and, and making plays, you know, down the field. I, I think I think this is a fantastic pick, and it's just it just shows you the cohesiveness between Austin Ford and Gannon. It's like we're not drafting these big, tall tree inside linebackers in the first round, giving them to our defensive coordinator who has no idea what the fuck to do with them 
And then those guys are wasting away. It's like Ojolari and what's it, Pop Pompo or Pe- Papo? Owen, Papo, like you, you and I aren't in the the coaching staff. We know exactly where those guys are going to go, Bo. Yeah, I mean, he does seem like he's a, he's got a little because uh, you're white. Maybe some yeah. Josh Woods right out of the gates. Can, can he? Is he going to be a guy that's going to embrace the special teams role? Seems mm-hmm. like he he's going to be right, and, and you can yeah. you can turn on the highlights. He's he's the second linebacker to run a four point three nine. So his official forty time at the combine was four point three nine. He was oh sub four four. The only other linebacker that had that fast of a forty. Do you know who that is? I don't. Isaiah Simmons. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Simmons, might, who was not traded, by the way, he's still he was not traded. It's uh, it's Saturday. The deadline to pick up Simmons' fifth year option is Tuesday. I think that the time is going to go come and go off the clock and it's not going to be picked up. I have to interrupt but, you real fast. My buddy yeah. Blake Murphy sent me a text message and he said, fifth round pick greater than fifth year option. And I thought that was really funny because uh, that's that's the truth of the matter. This is where they want their day three picks to be yeah. linebackers. No running back, though, which that hurt me a little bit. That hurt my heart a little bit. I do think. Yeah. Well, keep if your you eye on, on the undrafted free yeah. agents. We'll see. We got a, going through the seventh round now. The rest of the league is. But did I you mean, see Austin Ford's presser last night? Real quick, and did you yeah. watch it? Because he he made a comment trading down because he said we got. I don't know if it was pick clean or he made a comment like that. Where like what what was the comment? He was before he they said that why he had traded uh, the final third round pick. So they had three third round picks, right? Yeah. And they were going to pick kind of close back to back 94 to 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they traded 96th overall for a fourth and fifth today. Um, yeah. And they were able to turn those picks. I, I believe the fifth they turned into Papo and then the, yeah. and the fourth they turned into Gaines. Mm-hmm. So uh, he said that, they were. I, I believe what he meant was they were had been picked clean due to trades and movement mm-hmm. because they didn't have a fourth and a fifth. Gotcha. Well, they got two two fifths uh, as a result. Yeah. They had they had the early fifth and the later fifth. I I kind of read that as I started looking at some of those picks that went before them. You know, in the third round, and I'm like, did they want Tank Bigsby? We know they worked him out. He went right before the Arizona Cardinals. A couple of these backs that I thought the Cardinals might have entertained went a few picks before them. So maybe it's just how the board fell. I'm not saying, I mean, they're paying James Conner $10 million this year. It's likely yeah. the final year, but he's he's the unequivocal starter for this team. They're going to run him ragged this year behind a, a remade offensive line. Let's get to a couple more of these super chats, Bo. Michael Evans, we will control the draft next year, $2 super chat. I mean, is there any doubt this team, it's not only that they have the picks, Bo, it's who they're getting them from, which is two teams that we don't think are going to be very good. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a team that, I mean, you even heard him talking about Houston at the end of the draft and like, it, they're going to have to have a lot of guys start from this draft on this roster mm-hmm. uh, just in order to to be competitive. I mean, this was the team that was going into the final, final week was the worst team in the NFL throughout the 2022 season. It's like, sure, you got you can be excited about D'Amico Ryans. You can be excited about C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. But what do they do? How many wins do they add? Are they going to be more competitive? Absolutely. But are they going to be a team that's going to be outside the top 10? Arizona Cardinals have three or what is it? Six picks within the first three rounds. And it's their picks and basically Houston's picks along with that. So it's, it's a good team to kind of hitch your wagon to. A, a team that I think maybe... 
misdiagnosed where they were in their rebuild. They got some good mm-hmm. players. They absolutely did. But, I mean, was it worth it to trade from 12 all the way back up to three in a, in a decent, a really good edge class? Wouldn't you have rather kept your picks and, and gone after some of these other edge guys and, and let somebody else draft a Will Anderson Jr.? I mean, you got to be real confident that you're going to be viable next year and playing 500 football. Otherwise, we we talked about this, and we're not just saying it. If you've been watching our coverage, we got 327 people. Thank you all. If you've been watching our coverage, the Cardinals' view next year's draft is way better than this draft. Yeah. And now the Cardinals are presumably going to have two top picks, plus some. They also have Tennessee's third rounder. Um, Marmol, another super chat. Thank you so much, my friend. $2. What's your favorite pick? Mine, Ojolari and Williams. Bo, uh, Paris Johnson's my favorite pick. You know, it's no secret I wanted him. And then, of course, getting the sweetener, which is just heisting the Houston Texans in the process. Paris is my favorite pick with a close second being probably Ojolari. I, I like both <laughs> of those picks, premium picks. And I think both those guys are, are ass kickers. Yeah, you went chalk. I also like ice cream and <laughs> sunshine. It's great, right? Um, it, I'm... I, if if I want to get more creative with that answer, there was no uh, it, sexy picks later. There was, I mean, no, there was no uh-uh. Chase Brown. There was no Luke Whipler. But there. I like your, I like the your second fifth round pick in Papo, the linebacker out of Auburn, and I sure. like uh, Kytrell Clark out of Louisville. Both those yep. guys, if if they see any playing time, it'll be a testament to the caliber and competitor uh, that those players are. That they're going to do everything they're right. They're going to do everything that's asked of them. And they're gonna they're gonna excel on teams, and they're gonna earn their spot on the playing field. If if I like both of those, yeah. And like the obviously, I like the two guys you mentioned. I, I like Garrett Williams as well. Um, so it, it there's there's a lot to love about this draft. It, there there absolutely is. I don't know if I gave my official grade. You you'd said uh, uh, you know an A minus to a B plus because of what they added. I think to your point as far as what they added as far as future draft capital. And, and our guy chiming in, the, the Adam Schefter quote, you know, has the chance to control the 2024 draft with 11 picks. Uh, it, it's, it was an un- unbelievable job by Monty Austin Ford, who we just hadn't heard from throughout the offseason because he was making, he, he was cleaning up the mess from the previous regime. He was making unpopular moves that were necessary for the rebuild, letting players walk, clearing up space, trying to uh, negotiate deals. Some came to fruition, some didn't. Most of them came together in the last two days. And Monty Osfort, I mean, just look at the chat. I mean, the guy, the Messiah Monty, like everybody else, uh, everybody's applauding this draft for Monty Osfort, and they absolutely should be. You want a tasty little nugget here? I got a text from our buddy Jess Root, who's at the Cardinal facility. He said, Monty Osfort is not coming down right away. And then he's doing the crying emoji because he's got to cover so many late day three picks. Word is they might be getting into the seventh. So stay tuned. The Cardinals okay. may have one more pick to be had. Again, that's not confirmed, but typically awesome Ford that has not had a chance to meet with the media yet. Uh, that would be interesting to kind of go back in and dabble in the uh, seventh round. That means you clearly like somebody and you don't want him to become a, a free agent and sign with somebody else. Um, so we're going to talk more about this class, but I want to remind everybody if you are not dabbled in on the BetMGM Sportsbook app, now is the perfect time tonight. Of course, Suns, Nuggets, Western Conference semifinal tip-off. Let's dabble with our friends at BetMGM Sportsbook. So many unique signature bets and new customers can click in the NBA playoff matchup. 
of your choice, signature bets. Each game and market has their own specific skill set. Whatever you want to do, whatever prop you want to dabble in, first points, over, under, players to make the longest field goal. So much good stuff. Hope you had a chance to participate in our NFL Draft Predictor Challenge. Um, but it's been a it's been a blast, and we're so excited to be partnered with our friends at BetMGM Sportsbook. We've got the Phoenix Suns away playoff parties, watch parties presented by Neutral, Happy hours, $6 Rally the Valley Margaritas. The food there is fantastic. And then next Friday night, kicking off the night, Friday night Cornhole League. It's the first Friday of every month, May through August. We've got giveaways, specials, BetMGM prizes, and more. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our Arizona audience, you're going to get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM, again, make sure you're using that sweet, sweet promo code PHNX. And now from a Mexican prison, it's our friend <laughs> Shane Diefenbach talking about it with the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, for confidential help, Michigan. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada. Great stuff by our friend Shane <laughs> Diefenbach. Man, oh, man, that's quite the read that he's got to fit in. He's enjoying his uh, vacation in Mexico. We hope he is doing well. Back, hopefully, this week, uh, we've got everybody in the chat. Another super chat from our guy, Marmol, his third of, of the show so far. Thank you so much, my friend. $5, last super chat, or my woke kills me. Are you afraid of the talent of the Seahawks draft? Greetings from Spain. Big fan. Thank you so much. Amen. Greetings from Amen. his wife. Well, my wife kills me. Yep. Yeah. Um, greetings from Spain. Big fan. Greetings from the desert here in Arizona. Thank you so much, Marmol. I don't I don't think I'm afraid of what Seattle did. I thought they reached on another running back, even though I like the kid from UCLA. To me, it's like their weakness of their team was their line of scrimmage play, and they didn't take an offensive lineman or uh, a defensive lineman. The run defense is terrible. They went flashy early, but I mean, it was easy to love their draft if you're an analyst because they had two first, Bo. Right? Yeah, and and I, you know, you you can only pick where you, where you're picking unless you trade out, right? And they take Witherspoon, they take JSN out of Ohio State, so they take a corner and a wide receiver, Derek Hall, Auburn pass rusher, Charbonnet, the guy that you mentioned, Anthony Brad Bradford, the offensive lineman. But as you mentioned, that's a team that struggled on defense, and they took some swings. And the next, you know, the, the final day of the draft. And I think that as far as filling needs, a team that was so close last year at surprising people, being so far ahead ahead of schedule on the rebuild, that maybe they didn't do enough to, to address those needs. Sure, they got some top-tier players, top-tier talent early on. But, you know, you still got the quarterback that you invested a $100 million contract in. I mean, 
is as much goodwill and is as solid of a season that they had last year that nobody expected. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think the sequel, like many times, has fallen short with the Seattle Seahawks to their <laughs> to their out of nowhere performance. Still, no word on if the Cardinals are planning to trade back into the seventh round. Uh, if they were to do so, they'd have to use so from their arsenal of future picks. And let's talk about that, Bo. I know we still need to cover a couple of picks from this year's draft, but yeah. the big ticket item for 2024. It's this right here. Monty Austin Ford making headway. Their current 2024 draft picks looks like this. They have their own first round pick. The first round pick of the Houston Texans, their own second, three thirds, none of which are compensatory. So these are locked in. They've got their own third. They've got Houston's third and they have Tennessee's third following their trade down in the second yesterday Two fourths, one of which is a projected compensatory pick for Zach Allen. That's not going anywhere because it's the highest fourth round compensatory pick That's not moving down. If anything, it could have been a third, but it wasn't. It's a fourth. That's locked in. And then two fifth-round picks, including one for the tampering issue with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's locked in. And a seventh-round pick. I can't remember what happened to that 2024 six-rounder, but who cares? The Cardinals, they are bolstered with draft picks come next season. Bo Brock with a draft class that on paper should be better. Um, And then, you know, having Houston by the proverbial throat there with their first and their third. You absolutely love to see it from Monty Austin Ford. Absolutely. I love it in the chat. People calling him Boston Fort. That is an incredible uh, nickname for the yeah. new architect of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, somebody was kind enough also to just tag us in this tweet. It came out as far as just the value gain through trading down and the NFL draft. And everybody remembers what Ryan Poles was able to do for the Chicago Bears utilizing the first overall pick, trading down from one to nine, getting the hall of picks. And what Monty Osfort was able to accomplish, including trade down and trade, trade, trading down in the first round, trading back up in the first round, trading down in the second round, and then trading out of the third round with one of his picks. He has the Arizona Cardinals as the most trade value gained in the 2023 draft. And they're absolutely just setting themselves up to pretty much put an exclamation point on their first true offseason as a new front office for the Arizona Cardinals in 2024. Like, Monty Austin Ford is going to have cap space. He's going to have the ability to maybe sign some extensions, keep some good players around that are remaining, maybe make some deals, maybe trade some players for, uh, I mean, just be aggressive, way more aggressive than he was this offseason, and then go to work in the draft and draft and develop with an absolute haul. And, like, when you have two first-rounders, you've got three, three third rounders like that's ammo or ammunition to where he's going to be able to do anything he wants. If he wants to trade up, if he sees somebody, somebody's a threat to get Marvin Harrison jr. And he loves the wide receiver at Ohio state. He's got the draft capital in order to pull off a deal to get up there. Or if he's in a spot where somebody's going to be hungry for a quarterback, he can trade down and then create more draft capital going forward. I mean, for somebody that had minimal assets taking over franchise that was just in complete, just, a complete mess. He right. has quickly put himself in a position for success right away. I love the point you made about if if Kyler Murray comes back and is the quarterback everybody assumes he can be, and they're 100% bought in, everything's copacetic, and Houston or the Cardinals have a top pick that should be could be used on a quarterback, imagine being able to double down again if you're Austin Ford and secure even more future ones. Uh, that's a special place to be. And I think their goal, we talked about it 
you know, leading up to to this weekend was they got to get a one for next year. They wanted to get a one for next year, and they got it. And they got it from a team that, by all accounts, is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. So kudos to Monty Austin for I just got word about Austin Ford and Dave Sears are going to talk to the media after the draft is over. So that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make another pick. Maybe they're prioritizing some of their undrafted free agents. We're going to keep you posted on that. But Austin Ford, Dave Sears are going to have uh, a little bit before they talk to the media. So not officially closing the book on the Cardinals 2023 draft just yet. Um, we did not talk about. Uh, the two cornerbacks that they opted to take, or excuse me, the cornerback that they took today, and that is the kid out of Louisville, who mm-hmm. Bobak, they had used a top 30 visit with him. Uh, of course, Jonathan Gannon's alma mater is Louisville. He was a safety, I believe, there with, coincidentally, ex-Cardinal Kerry Rhodes. So uh, strong ties to that organization, that university. And then they take Kentrell Clark, who ran a 4-4-2 his 10-yard split was, I think, 1.49, 25-plus pass breakups, five picks for Louisville, um, an excellent cover corner, according to our guy Justin M. on Twitter. What do you mm-hmm. make of this pick? Because I, I do think this is one we kind of teased it yesterday, could be a day-three target for the Cardinals, and he ends up wearing red and white again. Yeah, and it's exciting. I mean, it, you, you probably have a little extra motivation from Gannon to turn this guy into a, a pro-caliber uh, corner. Um, I, I, I like what he brings. He's, he's ultra competitive. He, he yep. put on a show in the Shrine game. Um, he's not afraid to get to hit. And as far as his, his ball skills, he, it's similar to Garrett Williams, right? The corner that they took in the third round out of Syracuse. I mean, these are guys that go after the football. And when you think about the guys that, are, that played in Philadelphia, and albeit they were, they were veterans, right? Bradbury and Slayer were established vets. They were guys that had noses for the football. Like Darius Slay is a guy that makes game-changing plays, takes the ball away, not only you know getting his getting dirty, putting his head in where you know as far as getting trying to put his head on a football uh, yeah. and getting it loose or, or picking a football off. So they they are taking some shots here, guys maybe that have very low floors, but maybe some pretty high ceiling as far as what they bring as far as the athleticism and if they can kind of key in on their skill sets because Clark is a guy that. That is is a ball hawking corner coming out of Louisville. Yeah, the write up on him is uh, somebody that can get burned from time to time, but and he's on the smaller side. He's right around five ten. Kind of think yeah. of a Antonio Hamilton type of body or build, but he flashes the ability to jump routes. Has good overall ball skills, even with his smaller hands and shorter arms, and plays with a chip on his shoulder. So I think this is somebody that probably. Maybe as a slot corner, maybe as an underneath corner initially to start out. We know Marco Wilson's got one side locked down. And again, I think Garrett Williams, Bo, is better suited to play outside, whereas Kentrell Clark is probably a nickel or a dime corner, and he's going to play special teams. Um, but he's he's ready to rock and roll. No, no injuries. Um, not great in run defense, obviously, because of his size, but is somebody that has the ability to get dirty uh, at the line of scrimmage. And uh, again, I think he's I think he's going to be a nice. Uh, slot corner if if that's what he develops into. Um, so we talked about gains. We talked about Clayton Tune. I want to focus a little bit more on the linebacker out of Auburn. So we mentioned it. So sub four four speed, six foot, two hundred twenty five pounds. And I just think you fast forward to the season and it can he force his way onto the field? He played college football at the highest level in the SEC. He's in a jumbled linebacking group right now that may or may not contain Zayvon Collins. 
what's going to happen with Isaiah Simmons, right? They signed Kazir White. They have Josh Woods. They've got Zeke Turner on the roster. I, I think this is a kid that, b- by all accounts, he's best right now, according to um, Josh Weinfuss at ESPN, playing a defensive line that can protect him with second-level blockers. I'm not sure if that's the Cardinals' D-line this year, yeah. but he covers a lot of ground in zone coverage and closes well, and I mentioned this on Twitter, rushing the passer. So it almost feels like get a, get his ears wet this year, have him learn the defense with, with Nick Sirianni, and then when the Cardinals bolster their defensive line at some point, maybe you can unleash him. But right now, I think you'd worry about maybe some run-heavy teams like San Francisco and Seattle running right at this guy because the Cardinals, their front four is still a, a position group that's not particularly strong. Yeah, what is he, like six six feet even, and he's 220 yeah. pounds? and He's, he's almost like, like a converted safety. Yeah, he is. He's because you're white early in his career coming out of West Virginia, and mm-hmm. you know it's going to take uh, building up, you know, just seeing reps. And I think he's a teamer out of the gates at, at the at the at, at highest. There's no way he's going to – there's there's guys that are kind of similar builds and guys who have been in the league and probably have a better chance of not getting absorbed – by second level blockers, just yeah. having seen it before and getting out of the way. So, um, but yeah, is he a guy that, you know, if, if you can kind of draft him, let him play teams and, and develop, I think he's freakish enough to where, you know, down the road, he could be a guy vying for linebacker snaps in this defense. But early on, it seems like it's, it's a bit premature with a guy that you, you did they did tab in the sixth round like let's not put too high of expectations on i'm sorry into the fifth round uh yeah. at, a, at a auburn i mean but but you like you like everything about him you know he, he's got he, as far as the profile from the type of kid he is to the caliber of athlete he is second most athletic linebacker in the entire combine this year and he's got, he's got an arizona cardinals uniform now we're going to talk about Dante Stills in a second, but want to thank everybody that came out to Four Peaks in Tempe for our 2023 first-round draft extravaganza. We had a packed house on Thursday in downtown Tempe at Four Peaks. The beer was flowing, $4, $5 pitchers. We were there from 2 p.m. until about 10 p.m., so it was a fantastic outing. If you had a chance to come out to Four Peaks in Tempe, we appreciate it. We thank you. It was a banner time. Again, check them out. They've got a ton of events coming up. you got to be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly. But who doesn't love Bo Brock? That sweet, sweet Redbird lager, wings, wraps, chicken tenders, whatever you want. Do it with a Tempe Valley staple in Four Peaks. Yep. It's Monty Austin Fort's making his name for himself. Four Peaks has already established itself here in the Valley of the right. Sun. Can't go wrong there. Got to be 21 years old, of course, to enjoy the beer and do it responsibly. But now that we had our draft party there, we've got a couple more events coming up there at Four Peaks. Make sure you're checking out their event calendar, fourpeaks.com slash events. All right. So the Cardinals still, the draft is going on. We haven't heard from Austin Ford and company yet. Uh, Let me turn this around on you, Bo, because we talked about their additions and we'll continue to touch on them. Was there a position group that you felt was was ignored by the team, was not prioritized that you felt like coming to this draft? They had to do this, and they didn't do it. Uh, you, you felt that way about the center. You thought there were so many opportunities for them to lock uh, in and center in the future. I mean, throughout the second round, even with the trade down with the Titans, you were sitting there at 41, and I think only one center had gone off the board, the kid out of Wisconsin. Outside yeah. of that, you had John Michael Schmitz. You had, uh, of course, Luke Whipler. You had Juice Scruggs you brought in for a top 30. So you, you had – 
plenty of uh, you had plenty of conversations, but you have to trust the man making the decisions. And if if Monty didn't feel like any of those guys were really going to vie for any a spot on this roster and and be able to make maybe uh, to develop into something uh, as soon as they would have liked, maybe he just didn't like the prospects that were there. Um, so you just have to to trust it. But it, it just it. It, it made sense to a lot of us. I mean, we were talking about Whippler and the Pauline thing made so much sense. So for them to come away without a center, it's a little head scratching, but at the same token, it's like there's, there's going to be an opportunity going forward. Like they're, they're just going to kind of keep their head above water at the position throughout this season, a season where the expectation is to, to develop and, and rebuild and then come next off season. If they're still in the same position, then you can say, Hey, what's going on with this front office? Why aren't they going out there and being aggressive and get in the center, but nobody really kind of, they had opportunities. They didn't take it. And I think maybe the only other one position you can say, ah, there's probably two because they take stills, the defensive lineman late in the draft, you still need more beef at the defensive line and then the running back position. So those three spots, I think those are the ones where you're just like, ah, they could have, but there were so many holes on this roster, so many needs. Uh, I think Monty Osford still had a, did a spectacular job in adding talent to this roster overall. I would just love to be in a position where the Cardinals, and I think they will under Austin Ford and company, every draft they use one premium pick on an offensive lineman until the unit is fixed. So I'm talking a premium top 100 pick, a projected starter, right? So they they checked that box this year. They got their franchise left tackle, presumably. And who knows? Like, what if Josh Jones sees snaps at right tackle this year? He impresses. Maybe he gets another contract. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. It's kind of the forgotten man. Gaines, you know, is probably a backup to start this year. Then who knows? You've got Will Anderson Jr. on a two-year deal. But I'm with you. I, I think I would have loved to double down and taken, you know, Avilia, but you would have obviously not been able to trade down from 33. You would have had to take him at 33, given that the Rams took him right after. John mm-hmm. Michael Schmitz, Tipman out of Wisconsin. There were there were a bunch of guys. That was kind of our sweet spot. And the Cardinals clearly made a statement. They said, nope, we're going to prioritize a third next year. And we're going to prioritize B.J. Ojolari. We do not think our pass rush is good enough. And by all accounts, it's not. They had one of the lowest sack tolls in the NFL last year. And they had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. So if B.J. Ojolari develops it into an 8 to 10 sack guy a year, then that picks a home run. Um, and every year you can find interior offensive linemen. And a lot of people are pointing this out. Gaines can come in and play guard and or center was initial commitment to Princeton before he went to UCLA anxious to hear Austin for where he projects him to go. Um, Because I think in the fourth round, that's somebody that you hope one day can develop into a starter. Now who knows? And then they of course got the two late round picks on the offensive line next year. But um, I, I think to me, you know, running back, they could go sign a veteran. I'm not overly concerned about that. I I'm disappointed that they didn't take advantage of this strong class, but then they maybe have the worst roster in the NFL right now. So that makes sense. (laughs) And they've got how many picks next year? The defensive line still is a huge question mark. And I'm not necessarily talking about, I like the edge rushers they have. I like Cameron Thomas Mm -hmm. and Maje Sanders. The defensive tackles for the Arizona Cardinals, I I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's the worst position group in the NFL. I think if you're lucky, Foto, this was a good weekend for you. Somebody who I think is a backup that probably is going to have an opportunity to stick as a starter, which is not great. We saw what that happened last year. Uh, now they don't, have don't forget about Carlos Watt. Watkins. I think, I yeah. think Carlos Watson uh, is uh, is is somebody that's going to probably see the lion's share of snaps. Um, we, we were talking about the center spot. I I honestly think 
Yelda Froholt is going to be the starting center for this team. I, I see people saying Lasita Smith, um, but it seems like Froholt is a guy that's coming over. He ran, uh, he played center in the Cleveland Browns offense. He's going to be somebody that that can kind of be an extension of Drew Petzing, who came over from Ple- Cleveland as well. I know barely people can barely even pronounce his name, but it seems like he's going to be the guy in the middle of that offensive line. And if you look at this, the starting offensive line trying to project that, I think it's Froholt at center, uh, Humphreys at left tackle, probably Beecham at right tackle to start. And you're saying, well, whoa, whoa, what about Paris Johnson Jr.? I think his opportunity could come at left guard. Will Hernandez is at right guard. But then you've got Josh Jones, who could be your swing. You've got the possibility of Paris Johnson Jr. being your first swing uh, if, if anything happens to Beach or, or Humphreys. And it feels like it's inevitable, at least with Hump, that he's not going to play the full season. So you've got decent depth. Uh, but but nobody you can kind of hang your hat on. And then you look at what they did later in the draft, as you mentioned, Gaines. He's so versatile, uh, so athletic. You know, he can be a guy that becomes a project. You got Marquise Hayes is somebody that you can uh, – people were excited about at the end of the preseason last year before his injury. So they have they have options. I mean, <laughs> yeah. options that you say, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm completely sure that they're going to keep Kyler Murray upright and that they can do the job that necessarily – necessary to to just push people around and open up you know run lanes for running backs and keep your quarterback clean no that's not this group but can they be serviceable at times i think that's possible well again i calvin beecham was good last year he's been good since he's been in arizona there's no reason to believe he's just going to be terrible right he's a the the prototypical he's a solid nfl right tackle is he going to blow you away no and then dj humphreys has every reason to play his best football this year because all of his guaranteed money goes out the window. If the Cardinals could easily move off of him. Then you've got Paris Johnson Jr., which provides all the upside in the world, and Will Hernandez, who played well before he went down this year, Bo. So that, I mean, it it would it, it'd be ridiculous to suggest, like Cardinals have a lot of bad units. Their offensive line, I don't think, is a bad unit. I think it's average with an opportunity to get better because this organization, this, this group now making the calls, take it seriously. So I... I'm just not over the moon with, with, with what I've seen from the defensive line. I think that that, that is just, that's just going to be a, a tough, a tough position group to watch. Should you know, this, this group continue to underperform now, Rashad Lawrence and Lucky Fotu could come ha- have career years under Jonathan Gannon. That'd be great. But you look at those assets next year, it's a better defensive line class next year with defensive tackles. Like it feels like that's where they're, they're going to spend a lot of their attention is let's maybe go out, maybe get a number one corner, maybe get a number one pass rusher slash defensive tackle, draft a running back at some point. But um, the wide receiver group is an interesting group now because there's almost too many mouths to feed. And uh, it came and went. There's no DeAndre Hopkins trade inside for this franchise. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but I want to remind everybody, there's no D-Hop trade, but there is a Circle K. So go wet your whistle at Circle K. Check out their Polar Pops, their iced coffee. It's a hot day. I stopped off at Circle K this morning, loaded up on all the snacks and goodies ahead of the NFL Draft Day 3, loaded up my vehicle, premium selection at not a premium price, especially for gas. Tons of deals and discounts. Make sure you're checking out all the great stuff. Head to CircleK.com slash store locator. That's CircleK.com slash store locator to find the closest Circle K to you. Having so much fun partnering with Circle K because, I mean, goodness, they just they have the best snacks and it's convenience store um, nearest to you. So, all right, let's talk about Diop. He's still an Arizona Cardinal. Bo mm-hmm. Brock, he did not get traded. 
The receiver room now is DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Zach Pascal, Gregory Dorch, Michael Wilson. That's six deep. Yeah. Is there an odd man out in your opinion? Man. I mean, I think that the odd man out is 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 D Hop at some point. It's not obviously because he's the least skilled wide receiver on the roster. I mean, he he should be he's gonna be the top of the any wide receiver core he joins. Um, so yeah, it, it, it has become a crowded room. You, you start to look at it, you said Wilson projects as an outside guy. Um, so does Hollywood Brown. I think Pascal's a guy that plays inside. I think Rondell Moore is a guy that probably plays inside. Uh, and we've seen Greg Dorch can can do it all. He's going to do wherever he can get himself on the playing field, probably could play some slot in his, his, for himself as well. So um, they the, the two with Pascal and with, with Wilson, both of them being 6'2", the fact that they're getting closer to the size of receivers that Petsing had in Cleveland with the Browns uh, has to make you feel a little bit more comfortable that this team doesn't just think that you you can be as fast as as anybody in the league, and you're, it doesn't matter how what your size is. It's a it's a it's a position that does have physicality to it, and there are advantages to to being uh, at least over six feet, six feet two. You've got two of those guys now, and, and DeAndre Hopkins about six one. Yeah, uh, somebody in the chat mentioned. Uh, Antoine Wesley. I'm not sure if Antoine Wesley's still on the roster, on the roster. or not. Uh, yeah, so that that was a cliff move. He was out of Texas Tech, um, so I I don't anticipate he's he's back. Um, you know, I thought there there was a small chance maybe that they would have moved a wide receiver that that wasn't D Hop. You know, Rondell Moore he has not been able to stay healthy, so it'd be ridiculous for me to suggest well they need to move a receiver because they have too many when you can't count on the health of you know Rondell Moore. Hollywood Brown missed games last year. And then they drafted an injury-prone wide receiver this year. So it, basically, it's like, if you can remain healthy, you're going to get an opportunity. Zach Pascal, we've talked about it, Bo, has missed one NFL game in his career. Um, you know, Gregory Dortch last year played through injuries, was was a tough motherfucker, uh, was somebody who, <laughs> you know, every time we turn on the TV, he's getting lit up, and then didn't matter. He's coming down with catches and making big plays and run after catch. So it, it could just be the war of attrition at that position unit. So, um, yeah, I... It just feels like, though, this is the tip of the iceberg with this roster. When you think about so many guys, if I if I pull up over the cap right now and I look at the highest paid players on the team, and I'm going to read them out to you, okay? Yeah. We're going to do this impromptu. You tell me if they're on the team in 2024. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins on the team in 2024, yes or no? No. Buda Baker making $16 million this year. Uh, team option in 2024. Do they pick it up? Yes. Kyler Murray's obviously going to be around. We assume the next two years. Hollywood Brown is in his fifth year option, 13 million. Is he back in 2024? I don't think so. DJ Humphreys, $16 million cap hit this year. No guaranteed money after this year. Is he back? No. Zach Ertz, $11.6 million. Is he back next year? No. James Connor, unless, it, unless it's at like a lot lower number. James Connor has ten million that coming this year, and good hell, nine million next year. Is he back? James Connor, yeah. You say no. Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> he makes six million this year. He's got a twelve point five million dollar uh, fifth year option. They haven't yet to pick up. Is he back? It doesn't feel like it. So those are their top seven players. 
and you said no to all but one, and that is Kyler Murray. So you think about all no, I said that Buda money. Baker. I said Buda and Baker. And Baker, I'm sorry. Yeah. All that money. D-Hop, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Humphreys, Zach Ertz, James Conner, Isaiah Simmons. Then it, there's a steep drop-off. It's Jalen Thompson, Colt McCoy, and then, you know, making a decision on guys like Zayvon Collins. I mean, the, the names I read off, those are the big-ticket players, none of which were added by Monty Austin Ford. So it, it does feel like you lose those guys next offseason, assuming they don't perform the, the way you want to. Mm-hmm. And I'm 50-50 on Hollywood Brown. We'll see what kind of year he has. And then fast forward to 2024, and you've got all this cap space, you've got all this money. They yeah. they are remaking this roster overnight, and it's 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 one that hopefully is going to be viable longer than these flash-in-the-pan periods of success they had under Steve Kimebo. Yeah. Uh, people asking in the chat, like Manfred saying, not Simmons. Um, if you, We appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't maybe watched PHNX Cardinals before, something we've been talking about quite a bit with the deadline coming up on May 2nd, which is Tuesday. You know, Are they going to pick up even the fifth-year option on Isaiah Simmons? And it doesn't feel like this organization is motivated to do so. It just doesn't. No. As far as what, how they, the, the profile of the linebackers and where they're going to take them, uh, it kind of fits what they did today in the draft in the fifth round, taking uh, Papo out of Papo out of Auburn, you, you can, they're going to take a guy, you know, late day two or you know, in day three, potential for sure at the linebacker spot. They don't want to invest, you know, twelve million dollars like his fifth year option. Simmons' fifth year option is going to cost. Um, he's he's a pick of the previous front office, and uh, as much as they might think like the athleticism, I, I don't think they believe it's it's worth the amount of money it would cost to keep him around. So. It feels like that's just gonna. It's inevitable that they're not gonna pick up his fifth, and that he's could you know very well could play the final year of his rookie deals, fourth and final year of his rookie deal with the Cardinals. But there could also be could they find a trade partner for him? We'll see. Yeah, I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Somebody like him, Rondell Moore, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. These players that may not figure into their longevity of the of the team. Um, and then you look what they did in March or what they didn't do. They didn't sign anybody to multi-year contracts that are going to hamper this franchise. You, the the um, guys that they got the last three days in Kyler Murray, those are the guys that they're moving forward with. Any Anybody that was on the roster previous to that, like this front office is not tied to them at all or, or married to them in, in, in any way to where they feel like they need to uh, make a, a significant investment in order to keep them around. So, you know, Buddha's got two years on his contract. As you mentioned, he's got the option for 2024. It's the team option. Be interesting to see how, how they approach that. I think that they'll probably salvage that relationship and get him back to, to being the, 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 one of the main leaders in that locker room. But it's, it's Paris Johnson, Jr. It's BJ Ojolari. It's Garrett Williams. It's Kyler Murray. Like those are the team. Those are the players that they're moving forward with and they're going to draft, develop them. And then next year's draft, those guys that are coming in, those are the players that are going to, that that's, that's how they're rebuilding this roster. And that's, that's who they're investing in. I'll push back slightly and say, maybe the day two picks from last year are also safe. Now you don't know definitively, but like, I don't think there's so like any a Trey appetite. McBride. Right. And a Maje yeah. Sanders and a Cameron Thomas, like those guys are coming, coming into camp and they have to, you know, prove themselves to Gannon and company. And, you know, I don't think they were tainted by the prior regime enough where these guys wouldn't be like, well, you guys just don't fit with what we do. Like if Trey McBride can play, 
he's going to play in this offense. If Maje Sanders and Cameron Thomas can rush the quarterback, they'll find a place for him. So yeah. I'm with you, Bill. The, anybody who's got big time money coming their way or tied to them, you know, Trey McBride and BJ and Maje Sanders and Cameron Thomas make no money for the next three years. So they're 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 safe bets to at least stick around. I would imagine during their rookie seasons, unless some or rookie, uh, yeah, rookie seasons on their contract, unless something else were to happen. I want to remind everybody if you hadn't checked this out during the broadcast last night, shame on you because we were rocking some more furniture which is our premier furniture spot in the Valley, the best furniture you can imagine. You head on over to morefurniture.com, free delivery, white glove delivery. When you buy a certain amount, um, what you want for your home, check it out at morefurniture.com. Big leather recliners, couches, whatever, you know, dining wear, bar stools, morefurniture.com has got you covered. Go back and watch, if you haven't already, our coverage at PHNX Sports on YouTube check out that fine furniture. We had a blast. People are like, how did you sit for four and a half, five hours and cover day two of the draft? More furniture's out. Check them out, morefurniture.com, Bo. All right. You put uh, kind of put me under the gun a little bit there. I'm going to put you under the gun here. I'm going to go, through, do this, it. Uh, let's go through this draft class, and I want you to talk about the prospect that they drafted and what their potential role is going to be in okay. 2023. Are you ready for that? So let's start let's with Paris it. Johnson Jr., the first overall pick or the top pick off the board for the Cardinals that they traded back from 12 to six to, to select out of Ohio State. Projects as a franchise caliber tackle. What's, what do you envision his role here in 2023 being? I think he's a starter at left guard until Humphreys or Beecham go down. He moves to tackle. He does not give up that position. Again, no allegiance to Humphreys or Beecham. Beecham, they'd like to keep around. Humphreys is not playing currently. He's got a bad back. So you have to force Paris into the lineup, get him his reps, get him his looks. I think that Paris Johnson Jr. is starting by Thanksgiving at left tackle. All right. And the chat can obviously chime in with this as well, but we'll continue this. BJ Ojolari traded down in the second round, got him at 41st overall. LSU edge. What's his role in 2023? I think he's a rotational pass rusher. I think he's somebody that you can see getting significant snaps if he proves himself on third down especially if these younger guys from last year, Sanders and Maji, because that's about it, don't, you know, get off to quick starts. I think they are the placeholders right now. You know, I don't really know what they're doing with Zayvon Collins as a rush M. That remains to be seen. But B.J. Ojolari, health permitting, is going to come in. And I would play, I would venture to say like 50 to 60% of the snaps and maybe dabble on special teams this first year, um, which then he projects as a full-time starter in 2024. Have to love it. Uh, we got the clean bill of health uh, from Garrett Williams. Suffered the AC, ACL's tear in October, I believe, of this season against Notre Dame. The Syracuse cornerback they took in the third round. Garrett Williams, a little bit tougher to kind of put a timeline and maybe some playing time on him in 2023. But you think he's a guy that could crack this defense secondary? Uh, I think because of how many defensive backs Jonathan Gannon disposes at 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 his disposal, and and on a given weekend, on a given Sunday, five six DBs at one time. We'll see what happens with Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson, and Buda Baker. But I think there's a good chance if he's healthy, he's going to be playing a lot. I just don't know when he's going to be cleared for complete football activities. But if he misses a lot of training camp, that'll put him behind the eight ball. He'll be behind. So I, I hope a full rotational player because he's ready. He played a lot of good football in the ACC at Syracuse. He's not raw. He, he's one of the more refined corners in this class. I, I, I again, echo similar to B.J. Ojolari. 
you know, when we fast forward to November, I, I hope he's playing meaningful snaps in the secondary in route to becoming a full starter in 2024. Is their second third round pick wide receiver Michael Wilson? I know he tried to break down the wide receiver core. Does he have a role with this team in 2023? Now he suffered a collarbone, I believe, and yeah. he said that he's fully healed and recovered from that. Expects to be ready for going for for training camp. Six two wide out from Stanford. Uh, his position coach also went to Stanford. We're the same number. Drew Terrell. What do you think about Michael Wilson? I think that maybe some red zone targets, I think get him 100% healthy, get him involved in your off in your off-season weight training program, let his body heal up. I know he's been under the gun. He says he's not even like 100% where he wants to be at the senior bowl and he's out there smoking dude. So, I would not have a problem if 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 they are of the mindset that he can be a big time receiving threat, don't force it because you've got plenty of targets especially if D hops on this team Bo Brock. Um you know, somebody just said agent 47 Wide receiver, too, by the end of the year, I think that's aggressive. I think if he's part of the starting rotation in 2024, that's a good thing. I have minimal expectations for him this year, probably more so than anybody early because of the injury concerns and how flush the receiver room is, if that makes sense. Going down the draft board here, fourth round, the first pick for the Cardinals today, John Gaines, the second versatile offensive lineman out of UCLA. He, if he's healthy, he's going to play because I, I have no confidence in the health of the Fernandez and, and DJ Humphreys and then whatever the hell's going on at center. And I still think, Bo, there's a, there's a chance that they could come out and say he's going to be tr- cross-trained at center and guard. And if that's the case, all bets are off. It would not surprise me. If he's trained at center, get him in the lineup sooner rather than later. Let him know protections and let him start getting snaps with Kyler Murray. If he's a, just a straight guard, I still think there's an opportunity – to, for some substarts to to get in on uh, some rotations, guys are always leaving games left and right. You know, Will Hernandez is a huge dude, and mm-hmm. he proved himself last year. He's a tough guy. He he held his own. I think they were excited that he wanted to remain here. He got a two year contract. I think he's a six lineman this year with the likes of Josh Jones, with a chance if he keeps himself ready, he's going to compete with the Lasita Smiths of the world. But man, he played so much good football at UCLA. This is, again, very similar to Garrett Williams and then Owen, the linebacker that we're going to talk about here in a second. They are ready to contribute. This is not redshirt sophomore, let's be raw, let's have 18 months. Like, no, I think these guys, at the very least, are, are backups. Um, the competition for on the offensive line, and, and any time I asked Jonathan Gannon from the quarterback – starting quarterback to any position on this roster, he said it's going to be a competition. Like the incumbent yeah. Colt McCoy isn't just going to get QB, be QB2 because he was last year and the previous year to that. He wants a competition. And when you look at this offensive line, it's like you got some guys, right? Guys that have, that have they had roles with this organization previous to this new coaching staff. But the competition is going to be one of the biggest of any position groups on this roster come training camp. And if you got you got guys like Gaines, uh, who they took in the fourth round, competing against guys who were taken in the sixth and seventh round last year, Marquise Hayes and Lasita Smith, plus the veterans that they have, uh, they ha- I believe they had like fourteen offensive linemen on the on the roster going into this draft, and then they added two more. Uh, it's going to be just an all out throw throw down drag out just brawl who's going to be starting on the offensive line. Great. And, and and you love, yeah, you absolutely love that competition is, is it's iron sharpens iron, obviously, but also 
that Jonathan Gannon's going to make sure that the best players start and give the Cardinals the best chance to protect whoever's at quarterback or whoever's running the football open up rush lanes. So Gaines, complete freak athlete. Uh, can he give himself a chance to compete this uh, this training camp and get the PT that Johnny thinks he can get? Be interesting to see. All right, let's get to the most interesting name of the entire group. Fifth rounder at a Houston quarterback, Clayton Toon. What's his role on this roster this year? Probably third quarterback. I don't think they subject him practice squad because you'd probably lose him. I think the best case, and I mean, obviously best case scenario is if he, if he beat out all these other veterans, David Blau <laughs> and Jeff Driscoll and Colt McCoy, and he just started the year. That's best case scenario. It's like, oh shit, this kid's ready to play right away. Uh, and I'm not saying that that couldn't happen. Just be interesting early on. Um, I think best case scenario though is, He's Kyler Murray's backup in 2024 that he, you know, hits it off with Kyler and the coaching staff and his teammates. And he comes in and he beat and he's competent and he's making very little money. And he's a Gardner Minshew esque type of player late in the draft where he can move a little bit. He's got a lively arm. He played a ton of college football. You know, he does, he does throw a nice ball. I, I think realistically this year he's the third quarterback. Um, I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that we get to see him and like, long durations of the second half of the preseason um, throwing to Michael Wilson, and some of these other guys, I think that'd be a lot of fun, but I have minimal expectations just like I would for any of the quarterbacks that they draft. I think outside of the top three, maybe Hendon hooker. This is a quarterback class that I think is going to have a lot of backups that could stick in the NFL, but I don't see anybody special and he's, he's fine. Doesn't, doesn't bother me. I would have had DTR who want to pick later. Here's the thing with tune. You utilize a fifth round pick on him. Um, you like the confidence we said is the quote where he said he's the best quarterback in this draft, mm-hmm. um, which is hyperbole. I'm like, I, I'm glad he believes it, but I, there, there's some really talented quarterbacks in this league uh, and, or that just went off the board. Um, he's a guy that though, if Kyler Murray's not ready and we believe he's not going to be to start the season, he's probably, unless you're carrying three quarterbacks, there's a good chance he could be the backup quarterback for this team to start the season. Yeah, very I think he'll chance. carry three when Kyler comes back is what I'm saying. Right. And so you, they're going to have to make the decision between is it Blau, is it McCoy, is it Driscoll? Uh, and then Tune has the luxury of being a, a recent draft pick of the new front office uh, because he's probably being a tough guy that if you decide to part ways or, or try to slide him on the practice squad could very realistically get picked up. Um, I, I'll make a prediction right now. Clayton Toon, there's going to be a like a preseason performance where people are going to be clamoring about Clayton Toon. Sure, like, I agree. I mean, this that. is a fan base that got hyped about Trace McSorley, for God's sakes. And I think that Toon is a better prospect than, than McSorley ever was, as far as especially throwing the football and his, his accuracy. So um, I think he, he's going to, there's going to be conversations about him. Uh, but realistically, that probably, unless disaster strikes, probably won't see the playing field in 2023. But, uh, this is this is the start of what the new approach to this uh, to drafting is going to be. I mean, like Toon was the last the first quarterback that they drafted since Kyler Murray in 2019. Pretty wild. Steve Kime, you know, he went back to back first round quarterbacks. He drafted what was it three quarterbacks his entire stint? Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, who turned into a tight end, and then you Good had Rosen, who was off the roster in a year, and then Kyler Murray. So this, rock, this this organization knows that you have to have contingency plans 
for even when you have a star quarterback. But Monty Osifor came from New England, who was always drafting quarterbacks when they had Tom Brady. Just be, and, and what would they do? Sometimes those guys would develop. They would draft and develop them, and then they'd flip them for picks. The guy wouldn't even really see the playing field, like a Garoppolo mm-hmm. or a, a Jacoby Brissett. So um, it, it's it, you have to appreciate that that this this – this organization now understands the value of that position. All right, let's uh, continue this. Oh, you got another thought on that? Just a quick, well, a lot of people who were calling this like a wasted pick or this is a pick that threatens Kyler Murray. I, if this pick threatens Kyler Murray, then Kyler Murray is not the franchise quarterback. We think he is. So I, I, I don't think this is a wasted pick either. They have so many picks. If you're concerned about is Kyler Murray the guy long term, if we're sitting here in about seven or eight months, let's let's call it ten months, mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray and the new or, and the new regime are not seeing eye to eye, and the Cardinals have a top draft pick, I think that's the that's the point where you start to have some concern about whether or not they take a different quarterback or go a different direction. I don't think I think everything we're led to believe. Gannon and he talk every day. Kyler's bought in. He's at the facility. His rehab's on schedule. Barring something unforeseen, Kyler Murray's going to be the quarterback of this team, hopefully for a long time, under Gannon and, and company. But to Bo's point, I mean, he's not going to be ready. And I think it, we'd be, re, you know, we'd be blowing smoke up everybody if we didn't say that this quarterback room is underwhelming. It's not great. I, I think, <laughs> I think if they were going to spend money this offseason, they should have done it on on a quarterback like a Gardner Minshew who is in Indianapolis right now, and you've got Jim Irsay saying that Anthony Richardson's going to start to start the year. <laughs> So it's like Minshew should be in Arizona, but I, I remember when we'll they see what he does. They announced the the signing of Minshew, and, and I think even reporters were saying like the Colts just signed their backup, and they didn't even have a starter on the roster at that point. Yeah. There were months Minshew from, would have been great for Arizona. Yeah, he would have. So it would have been a guy like Josh Dobbs who they were uh, that you're saying that they were in on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Tune has a similar skill set to a guy like Josh Dobbs. Maybe not as yeah. as uh, as athletic or fleet of foot, but. Uh, as far as what he does throwing the football and and being able to avoid evade some sort of pressure, he's got that ability uh, coming out of Houston. All right, we've got three more names here. Owen Papo out of Auburn, the second most athletic linebacker at the 2023 Combine. Special teamer with a chance to contribute on passing downs. I think you want him anywhere near first or second down to start his career because of, like we talked about, undersized, the defensive line could get eaten up. You don't want teams ramming the ball right at him. But obvious passing downs and special teams, if he can make the team, which I think he will, if he buys in and and learns from a Kazir White, I think there there's an opportunity for him to enter the spring next year in contention for a job because I think we both are of the mindset Simmons is on borrowed time. Zayvon Collins, who we thought was going to be the middle linebacker, is playing edge rusher right now. So they have a very specific type. This guy fits the type. I like it. They were in the market for a linebacker like this. They had a couple on their top 30 visits. They want guys who are 5'11", 6'0", 6'5", that are fast, that are athletic, that can fly and fill gaps and be great players in space, right? They do not want these two big trees in the middle of the field, as Kime once called Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. They Did you look, by the way, today, Patrick Queen and even Roquan Smith? I mean, these guys, these top linebackers are getting replaced. They're getting their fifth-year options declined, right? The Ravens t- took that kid, Trenton Simpson, 
out of yeah. Clemson late. And they're they're saying he's the new inside linebacker for them. <laughs> that position could very well become what running back has become. And I hate it because yeah. I love a good inside linebacker. But kudos to Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon because they are like, we can take mid to late round and undrafted guys and they can play this linebacker role in our defense. So I, I of all the guys today, and I'll double down on this, of every guy today that they drafted, if you told me that one of them is a starter into 2024 and looks really good, I would say it's this kid because of where he played. He was a day one player in the SEC at 18 years old. He's 22 now. Mm-hmm. You don't tell you don't think he can come in and contribute. So even more, it's hard to play offensive line. It's really fucking hard to play cornerback. It's impossible to play quarterback. What are the two positions they always used to say can translate immediately to the NFL running back and linebacker? So I think this kid, this would not surprise me if he got starting reps at some point this year. 4.3940. His Twitter handle. I don't even know how he got this. It's at the freak is uh oh you know his Owen Papo. He grabbed that when he was about 12 years old. <laughs> I love it. And and as I said, uh th- these two picks, these two picks in a row, uh Papo and then Kytrell Clark at a Louisville, a cornerback. Yeah. Now there's teams guy with with the with an ability to maybe go into 2024 with a chance to to get some snaps on the defense. Yeah, I think if he's on the roster, it's a good season for him. You're you're a late pick. You're a six rounder. Can you can you make tackles on special teams? You are a slot corner by trait. You're a nickel corner. No real expectations other than he went to the school of our of our head coach and he he probably plays bigger. It's cliche that same plays bigger than his frame and his size. So I I would say he's his special teamer. That might be inactive on most Sundays unless they don't sign a bunch of corners. He he's of the benefit, unlike Michael Wilson, where his position group is Mike, you know, Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, and just a bunch of question marks. So yeah, if he he could he could go win go win a job, but I think right now it's it's a fringe fifty three man player. But I I think he makes the team. I see this in the chat saying we're one hundred percent wrong on Simmons and Zaven both contribute, and I think Zaven plays Mike. Look, Zaven hasn't he didn't practice with the linebackers. He's, he practiced with the pass rushers uh, for two days last week. Now that we'll see. I mean, Jonathan Gannon told me when I asked him about it, he said we'll see uh, what they do with Zaven. They said that they love anytime they throw anything at Zaven Collins that he's willing to do whatever it takes to to do the best for what do what's best for the team. So Zayvon Collins, you know, we'll see. But when you look at the the linebacking core, they're all built like Kazir White, Josh Woods, and the kid they drafted today out of Auburn. They're not built like Zayvon Collins, who's, who's big and uh, it, it kind of built more like the pass rushers that they want. So it would be interesting to see. Obviously, what happens in, in April isn't truly what's going to happen in August. As far as Simmons, we just don't know. Simmons is uh, it's it's recovering from it feels like an undisclosed injury, right? Because he wasn't out on the practice field; he was in the facility. And then Jonathan Gannon alluded during the team the league meeting that he he's back to 100 percent health, and we didn't know that Simmons was facing anything. So we don't even know what it's going to look like when he's on the field with his new coaching staff. Um, we've got uh, yeah Dana echoing what what we've seen out there as far as Zayvon practicing with the outside linebackers continue to talk about this draft class uh, and wrap it up here with the defensive tackle out of West Virginia, Dante Stills. He's uh, six foot four, two eighty six, um, And he was the final pick of the 2023 draft class. I think it's a, it's a red flag. If he's obviously practice squad, 
I mean, he's he's part of the weakest position group on the team. So if I if I'm trying to encourage this young man, I'm saying there there's there's time to be had for this team because they've got minimal talent at this at this position. I would say maybe practice squad, maybe fringe fifty three man, because um, I do think they're going to have to sign some people up front on the defensive line. But I mean, the best case scenario, he's a rotational player. Um, and I think what I have to condition myself to do, and I, I talked about a ball in the broadcast, we talked about it the last two days, is under Steve Kime and Rod Graves, and for the better part, this franchise in their tenure existence, the third day of the draft has just been irrelevant. They have wasted picks. Picks don't matter to them. They've missed on guys. They just, other franchises are able to find starters, pro bowlers, Hall of Famers on day three. You hear it that that cliche line that line every year. It's like the backbone of your team is day three and undrafted guys. Well, not for the Arizona Cardinals. And so if 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 Gannon is worth his salt and Austin Ford is worth his salt as an a talent evaluator, then they ought to be able to find starters on day three. So um I I think I'm just I'm gonna go cautious here and I'm gonna say makes the team as a backup, maybe a backup backup, maybe he's on special teams. I, I would be concerned though a player like this who is undersized and you can't really be undersized as a four, three defensive tackle in the NFC West. So that's a position again, that needs to be filled. We talked about it next off season. They've got a ton of money come March, ton of cash, go sign a big name, free agency tackle, go get one in the drafts, go get two or three. That's, that's the weakest position group on the team by far. Yeah. Three future starters with their free three first picks. You have to love it. I think yep. uh, I think BJ Ujolari has the really the, the best the most legit shot to start game one. So I mean, so does Paris Johnson Jr. No doubt about it. But is he is he going to start at the position he's going to play at the rest of his career? Is he going to be your starting left tackle? Uh, it'd be it surprised me, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think that would be you know right out of the gates for him to get there and, and start protecting whoever's starting at quarterback's blind side. And then Garrett Williams, you know, he'd have to have a spectacular camp, but I'm not going to sit here and say he can't beat out, you know, an Antonio Hamilton. Sure. Uh, so it's it's exciting that, you, that you've got that potential for your first three picks. That's what you want with your first three picks. And then they've got six picks in the first three rounds next year. It's going to be spectacular what Monty Osfort can do, especially with they were doing this hybrid scouting scheme on the fly and, and now they're going to have fully incorporated and integrated how they want to scout players and ready to go full force in the 2024 offseason into the draft. You know how I feel about Paris Johnson Jr. I think he's a, f- a future Pro Bowl left tackle. I think he's got an immense floor and his ceiling's even higher, obviously. Here's what I'll say about Michael Wilson. This is my last thought on this group okay. and, and, the, and the wide receiver out of Stanford. I do, And I almost tweeted this out, but I feel like it would not have come across well. So it gives me a little more context here on our podcast. I think he's either going to bust or he's going to be fantastic. I don't think there's going to be an in-between. I think he he's either going to come in and be Adam Thielen-esque, Devontae Adams-esque, 11, 1,200-yard receiver. Everybody's like, where did this kid come from? And the Cardinals are finally going to steal a receiver and, and they're going to be worth his salt. Or he's just, everybody's going to be able to like, oh yeah, he was always hurt at the college level. That was a wasted pick by by Austin for it. I don't think we're going to get. Oh, he was like a seven eight hundred yard receiver. He was a nice player. I, I'll I'll shoot my shot right now. Stud or bust for Michael Wilson, and I hope he's a bust. Or I hope he's. Wouldn't, I hope he's. A stud. Oh man. <laughs> no, I hope he's a stud. Wouldn't that be something? After what was it? Dating back to 2017? 2018. 
2018 that they'd utilized a first or second round pick on a wide receiver uh, and it takes him they don't use a, a pick on him until late in the third round and he becomes you know one of the more productive ones uh that'd be fantastic if he turns into a guy like from his alma mater like a Doug Baldwin that'd be a huge dub for the Arizona Cardinals I mean it's, it's not a you watch his you go watch his his tape from the senior bowl I mean it, it looks like oh yeah this guy was a top 50 prospect and you know, it was a fringe first rounder, but then you look at his statistics and you look at his injury concerns, just like, mm, we'll see. I don't want I, him to be a bust. I miss no, I'll stand up for my co-host here. I know you misspoke. You didn't mean that you meant you think he's going to hit. You don't I want, want all to... these guys to do well. I always want players to do well. Yeah, this absolutely. Team players. They don't have enough. 91 Claycomb. I think that that is, that absolutely is something to consider when you look at the injuries, it's the bone versus ligaments. It's, it's always easier, for, you know, it surprises people when they hear this to, to return from a break instead of a tear. So, well, and that um, Stanford program has really been on a, a rapid decline lately, yeah. too. Like that, that well, and, that yeah, program and to not, not play as much was. as you didn't get to, to really see him play any big games. I mean, I think Stanford plays Notre Dame every once in a while, and I think that's where he even got injured. But outside mm-hmm. of that, unless you're watching ASU or U of A take him on, you're not watching Stanford play football. Really did, at they, all. did he have a bunch of hospital balls thrown his way? We don't know. Like the court, the quarterback. They had an awful offensive with. line, and they were saying they that did. on the broadcast today because McKee, Tanner McKee, got selected, I think, in the sixth round, and they were talking about how Tanner McKee was just on, just <laughs> under pressure Our his Tanner entire McKee. final season. Yeah, Dra- the, pro football <laughs> focus mock draft darling Tanner McKee. You know what? I just saw it too. Our guy Anthony Johnson Jr., <laughs> who's the safety that that PFF loved, he just went in the Packers in the seventh round. So. Uh, we got to be careful with our friends at PFF Mock Draft Simulator because there were there were some PFF Mock Draft Simulator darlings, just like Anthony McKee and Anthony Johnson Jr. And then they probably well, went right with Whipler. To go. Whipler was a third rounder, and he hangs around until the sixth round. He stays in state. He goes to. Should Cleveland. we talk about that real quick before we sign? Yeah, off? we talked. We talked a little bit about Whipler, but uh, you know, as we talked about, where I think there were. Uh, they overlook some positions this draft. I think center obviously throw that. That might be the top one defensive line, such a thin class, and then running back. Um, I think those are the three areas. But you know, Whipler, 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 Lip, Whipler. Uh, he. <laughs> we he apologize just, to everybody on the broadcast last yeah. night because we it had we not been told. We love Tony Pauline. I've I've had him on a different show. He's usually locked in with this franchise. He said that Cardinals are drafting Luke Whipler. And then Paris Johnson Jr. is best friends with him. Yeah. Tyler Murray knows him, right? And then we're like, oh, they must like him. He's the center of the future. We love Ohio State players. So does John again. You got to get him. And then he fell, and they passed on him how many times? Like six times. And then it just became, oh, yeah, the NFL, nobody had him rated that high. And that's okay. That happens. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. What's being reported or you know, what's in the media doesn't match what the actual decision makers actually feel. And Monty Austin Fort didn't feel like he wanted to use a, a definitely didn't want to use a second, definitely wanted didn't want to use a third, didn't want to use a fourth, fifth, and he wasn't on the board at six. Uh, we 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 couldn't find out if he was going to pass on him again because he went a couple picks uh, before the Arizona Cardinals were back on the clock. So uh, he gone and. It was nice. Uh, I'll always remember uh, the the fine things in discussions we had in regards to the Ohio State Center, Luke Whipler, <laughs> the juggler that uh, he was profiled on the ESPN broadcast. A, a drug, a juggler, and a stand-up comedian. We're gonna miss out on that. 
Diego in the chat. What, what, uh, Michael Wilson's the new Isaiah Simmons for Johnny. I promise no, he's not. He's not. Because he plays he's a not. position. He that wasn't we eighth know, overall either. Right. And he plays a premium position. He plays outside receiver. I want him to be great. Uh, Whipler snapping the ball to DTR is an unfortunate reality. I'm going to have to see maybe for Cleveland this preseason. That'll be electric. Um, uh, we want to thank all of you for making our draft coverage such a blast over the course of these last three days from everybody that came out and supported the show at Four Peaks in Tempe on Thursday. Yesterday's broadcast, I mean, Bo and I did back-to-back, shameless plug, four-and-a-half-hour broadcast with just huge numbers back-to-back days because of all of you. We've had huge numbers over the course of these three days. And, yeah, the Cardinals have finally helped with that, Bo, but it's because of this community right here of Cardinal fans at PHNX Cardinals where you have had to, you know, trounce through the sludge it's like the end of shaw sank right andy dufresne getting through the piping coming out on the other side of off the field allegations and no free agent signings and coaching searches and scandals and firings and it's like hey let's let's focus on the football with this team for three days and for them to come out and be universally praised and we'll talk about this on monday's show acing this draft and setting themselves up for success next year with all these picks you definitely can see light at the end of the tunnel with this franchise back to relevance again. Yeah, it was. And it was the first opportunity for Monty Austin Ford to truly make a name for himself with his new franchise. It's it just, he had to make all those unpopular decisions. And now you're starting to kind of see the forest through the trees. He, he's starting to clean out the brush a little bit for the, for the fans to see like what he was doing all this time, clearing up cap space, getting out from under guaranteed dollars and not committing to guaranteed dollars beyond 2023 and not a whole lot in 2024 and setting himself up to, to really bolster his draft capital and, and accumulate draft capital on draft day for the, for the next season, because they were lukewarm on this draft. They got the players that they liked in this draft. It really feels that way. And some guys that they feel like they can draft and develop and then really have an eye towards the 2024 class that can really get this rebuilt just to the next level and you'll have a healthy quarterback you would hope by then. And, and you'll have be able to kind of take any of that capital and, and put it towards making Kyler Murray, the best quarterback possible on with offensive linemen and wide receivers. Yes. Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, and, and, and premium position players at the edge defensive tackle. And then of course, maybe some more additions to the cornerback room. It's, it's a great day. It, it was a great start. A re, like, the dress rehearsal was over, and he pulled off just an unbelievable uh, showing in three days. We appreciate everybody's support. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Bo and I are back on Monday to do a continued breakdown of the Arizona Cardinals 2023 draft. Also, follow us on Twitter. Going to be churning out the undrafted content as it is made available for us. So, the draft is over, but the prospect acquisition doesn't stop. Anxious to see what this team does with the undrafted group. And then maybe, should we do a mock draft for 2024? Maybe, maybe not. Come Monday on looking at some of those top prospects for next year. But in the meantime, for Bo Brock, I'm Johnny Venerable. Thank you all for the support. We'll see you on Monday. 